I am Lisa of Two Sober Chicks, part of the dynamic duo known as Julie and Lisa, who bring you our regular podcast. This is our speaker series edition where we borrow guests from the home group AA Solution Seekers online. Please enjoy. Hi, everyone. Delilah, alcoholic. Uh, my sobriety date is 5-11. No, 5-22-11. I always mix those up. <laughs> 52211. Um I have a home group. It is um the big the basic text meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous on Saturday mornings in Ashland. Um if you're ever in the area, you're welcome to come on by. We have room for you. We we promise. We'll we'll set up more chairs if we need to. <laughs> um we've got um I've got a sponsor. She has a sponsor. And I sponsor other women when it becomes available to me. Right now, I don't have any sponsees, but I have been um, talking to someone about becoming her sponsor. So it just, you know, it all flows. Whether um, it's what God wants me to do right now. And if God wants me to have a sponsee, then we'll then we'll do that. So um, let's start at the beginning, I guess. I was born in Oregon. And grew up in Boise, Idaho. Um, moved a lot. Went to nine different elementary schools. Watching. Um, you know, learn, learning how to make friends over and over and over again was very difficult for me. Um, I had a lot of loneliness. But I had two older brothers and a younger sister. So that loneliness was also entombed with a bunch of other kids. <laughs> um, so when I got to middle school or junior high, as we called it, um, I knew everybody because I had been to their school. So, um, I really had a better time in junior high than I had any other time in school. And then um, we had some problems in our family. My mom and dad split up a lot and there was some abuse and my father ended up going to prison and they got a divorce and we moved to Southern California. So there was a little bit of a culture shock there, just a little. <laughs> I mean, from Boise, Idaho to Southern California is definitely a a big difference. So I got to experience a whole different kind of life and all kinds of different people. And it was very, very interesting to say the least. Um, they call California a melting pot. And that is very true. There are all kinds of different people from all over the world. And it is, they are all there. Um, I went to school at a continuation school and was able to um, skip the 11th grade. I went in a 10th grader, I tested, and then they moved me to a senior. So 
we were only allowed to date in my family when we reached the 11th grade. So I skipped that and I wasn't allowed to date. <laughs> um, my, after I finished school, um, I got pregnant and had my first child at 18. Um, she is now 30 and I am so blessed to have her. She, she saved my life. She really did. Um, I was a meth user at the time and I wasn't eating. And when I got pregnant, I stopped all of that and started eating. And she literally saved my life. So, um, next I did a lot of geographic moves. I moved back to Boise, moved back to California, moved back to Boise, moved back to California. Um, it was the, the only way that I knew how to run away from problems was to move. That's what we always did. You know, growing up, we moved. So, and, you know, we all, we all know the geographic moves. We do it as part of our, you know, it'll be better here, but then we take us with us. So it's not better. It's still the same. Um, I was introduced to AA by my drinking buddies when I was 18. Um, they took me to my first meeting and said it was for him because he wanted to get sober. And I didn't realize until years later that it was also for me and that they, they wished I would get sober as well. Um, part of my recovery process was relapses. I, I did not get sober that first time I went to AA. I continued to drink for years and ended up having another child. I got married, had another child. Um, ended up raising this child until he was six years old. And then I moved from Boise, Idaho again to um, Virginia, which is really far. <laughs> and I was not able to take my son with me because his father wouldn't allow it. So I left him with his father when he was six and moved to Virginia. At the time in Idaho, I was homeless and had three kids now and was not able to get back up on my feet. So I moved in with my sister in Virginia and she allowed me eight months to get back up on my feet. So I got a job, got a car, you know, got a place doing all of that and moved to um, another city in Virginia and moved my current husband out there. Um, for a while, when I came to Virginia, um, I got sober and I was going to meetings and I was staying sober and then I got a job 
and started to stop going to meetings because I was, because I was too busy. Um, then when my husband moved out here, when he got out of prison, when he moved out here, um, we, I stopped going to meetings and I started drinking again. That was the worst four years of my life. I was in an extremely abusive, very horrible relationship. It was, I was now have four kids. I now have four kids that I have to deal with and raise and trying to deal with one who's outside of the who's outside of the state that I'm in. So, you know, calling him every day, checking in, making sure he's doing okay, trying to be part of his life and trying to keep up with the three that are home. It was difficult. Thankfully, I didn't have any problems during my pregnancies or anything like that, except for abuse. Um, but I didn't have any real issues with the pregnancies other than, you know, like I had a UTI once and I had to have, I had to go in and get antibiotics intravenously for a few days. So that was kind of a problem, but you know, nothing really, um, nothing really crazy. So, um, Fast forward, my husband and I at the time got into a fight and he got arrested for abusing me. And while he was in jail, it came out that he had been abusing my oldest daughter. So he went to prison again and I divorced him. My drinking was out of control at this point. I had a guardian ad litem that would come over to the house and she would tell me that I had to go to AA and that I couldn't drink. And I'd be sitting there with my water or tea or whatever and a bag of beer cans in a trash bag, but the trash bag was black. So she couldn't tell that they were beer cans, but I couldn't not recycle. I had to recycle the cans. So that was a must. Um, that way you had more money for beer, you know? So, um, I was still working towards getting sober, but I wasn't, it wasn't working. I was taking in my paper, but I wasn't getting it signed. I was afraid that the people at AA would judge me for getting a paper signed. So I wasn't getting it signed. I was hiding it. And, you know, just telling her that I had made meetings, but I didn't have anybody sign it. And she said, you know, you have to get it signed. So finally, one day I started to get my paper signed. I finally broke down and said, okay, that's enough. I'm going to get my paper signed 
because, you know, it's required by this guardian ad litem and I need to get it done. So I finally started to get my paper signed. And I think that was the, that was part of the door that opened for me to start getting sober. I was going to the meetings sober, but then I was getting drunk afterwards. I had taken a leave of absence from work so that I could handle all of this stress and craziness that was going on with the court and with the kids and with the arrest and with the new allegations, I guess you want to call it. Um, it was a lot of stress and I was handling it as best I could, but it was a lot. Um, I went to a meeting and then I came home and I decided I, I couldn't take it anymore. So I took out those meeting sheets that you get that have people's phone numbers on them. And I called every name on that list that was a girl. And I could not get a hold of anyone. I finally got a hold of my sponsor. And she told me that she was on vacation and she would see me when she got back. And I was devastated. I did not know what to do anymore. So I went and got a 12 pack and a couple of four locos and went to, um, and went home and drank. Now I have been through some pretty heavy stuff drinking. I've been shot at, I've been in car accidents, I've been beaten up. I have had many heavy things happen to me when I've been drinking and none of those were enough to get me sober. But this night I lost my book, which I'm always reading a book and my glasses. And I cannot see without my glasses. And that was the last straw. Those two little things were the last straw. That was it. I sat around Sunday morning, nursing a hangover, not being able to see much, but I had a one-year-old, so I'm sure I did a few things because I you know, had to take care of her, but I mostly sat on the couch and thought about how I did not want to be a person who lost her book and her glasses. I was right at the good part of the story, and now I don't know how the story ended. Um, I was unable to drive unable to read, unable to watch TV because I can't see without my glasses on. And here I was stuck with three kids, well, four kids, you know, one's not physically here, but, you know, four kids and a life turning upside down. And now I can't see anything. So that finally got through my thick skull that I did not want to drink anymore, that I wanted to be sober. So the first thing I did was I found a new sponsor. Um, and this time I did not pick the sponsor myself. I had someone else pick for me because I knew that I was in no position to do something so dramatic, so drastic, so big for my life, that it was really something important and that I needed some guidance and some help because I didn't have a good picker. 
my picker was broken and I picked the craziest person in the room and got, you know, I'm on vacation and I'll talk to you when I get back instead of guidance and help when I needed it the most. <clears throat> um, there have been several things that have happened to me in sobriety that have brought me closer to my higher power who I choose to call God, um, but may not be the same God that you have. Um, one of the first things that happened was I was told to call my sponsor every day and two other women in the, in the rooms. And this was back when cell phones weren't unlimited and you could only call a certain number of minutes and you could only text a certain number of minutes and so I was waiting for my work buddies at the, at the parking lot that we met up at to carpool. And, um, I was waiting there and I called up my sponsor and I said, Hey, and it was the middle of the day. So who, I didn't think she was going to answer. I thought I was just going to get a voicemail, but she answered the phone and told me, or, and I told her, you know, I don't have enough minutes on my phone, so I haven't been able to call you lately, um, but I'm doing fine. I'm not drinking. Everything's good. And she says to me, one of the most important things I ever heard, she says to me, Delilah, you have a choice right now. You can either go back to drinking or you can get in this program. Right now, you still have the option because you haven't drank, but you're heading down the path to go back out. And so I got in this program. I started being the cake lady at my home group, got to be, you know, got to bring in the cakes when people had anniversaries and remember those days when we used to have cake together <laughs> before Zoom. <laughs> Um, but we, but I got to be the cake lady. I got, um, I got a home group. I started going to business meetings. Um, I was in a city where we didn't have babysitting and I took my kids with me and they would run around the room while we had our meeting and I'm sure they bothered people. And, but I needed meetings and I couldn't not go. So I would bring my um, laptop and two headphones, lay them down on the floor, put a headphone in one ear and one, the other with another headphone in their ear and plug in a movie. And they would mostly watch it and hopefully watch it for five, 10 minutes while I had a meeting. Um, then as I got more sober, um, I started having people in the rooms watch them for me while I went to a meeting. And then we started, um, then we, when we moved to Richmond, they actually had babysitting at the meetings. So I could go to a meeting with babysitting and that made, and I made that my home group for a long time when I lived in the West end. Um, the, 
Another thing that happened in my early sobriety was I went to dinner with some friends of mine for my birthday. Um, I got sober in May and my birthday is in September. So you do the math. It wasn't that, I wasn't that sober, <laughs> but I was sober. Um, and we went to dinner and my friends asked if they could drink. And I said, that wasn't a problem that they could drink. They didn't need to change their ways, you know, just because I don't, don't drink, they could still do what they need, wanted to do. And they went ahead and ordered some drinks. And before the dinner, I called my sponsor. And then I went and I had a nice time. And I left the I left the dinner and I called my sponsor again because that was her requirement that I go call her before and after. And I called her afterwards and I said to her, oh my gosh, this guy had this to drink and that guy had a beer and this guy had this. Oh, and the other table, they had beers and stuff and they didn't even finish them. And I couldn't believe it. Like they just left half a beer there and they were like $9 a piece. It was ridiculous. And she said to me, I think you're one of us. <laughs> so I didn't, so I did, um, you know, kind of joke with her about that, that yes, I was probably one of you guys, <laughs> that there was probably no secret that I was one of you. Um, and Another thing that happened early in sobriety, and I'm not sure exactly when this was, but I think this was after the dinner. Um, another friend of mine wanted to go out to dinner. I was staying at his house so I could so I could go to work the next morning with him instead of going all the way back to my house, which was really far away. And coming back because I closed one night and opened the next morning. And um, so I went back to his house to to rest and sleep. And then, you know, we went to dinner and he chose a pub and he was like, that's fine. Right. You're, you'll be okay. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Well, he ordered a beer. That beer came to the table and I smelled that beer and I just started to drool. I was just like, oh my God, I wanted that beer so bad. So I just said a quick little prayer, just a quick little, God help me. And that was it. And then went about having our dinner and doing all of that and, you know, went and slept at his house and then went to work the next morning. And then two or three days later realized that I did not think about that beer again after that initial smell and drooling <laughs> that I did not think about that beer again until then. And then I realized that God had answered my prayer. And that there was a God and that that God actually listened to me. Not just answered prayers from the, you know, billions of people on earth, but actually listened to a prayer that I put up and answered it. Um, and that really meant a lot to me and really struck a chord with me and has stayed with me for years. Part of living in the solution for me is doing this thing one day at a time. I have a lot of issues as far as 
my one of my children is in a mental institution. Um, one of my children goes to the bad kids school because she can't go to the regular school anymore. Um, one of my kids was just admitted to the mental institution again after years of being out. Um, my oldest daughter um, was placed in a mental institution for suicidal ideation um, a couple weeks ago. And that was really difficult. Um, but a couple of the things that I do to stay in the solution is I go to meetings. Um, I've worked the 12 steps with a sponsor and I keep those steps fresh in my mind. Um, I work with others. I call and text people throughout the week to keep in touch and to keep my network going. I do this thing one day at a time, but it's like the spokes on a wheel. And if I don't have enough spokes, the wheel is all wobbly. So I need to make sure that I have all of the spokes in the wheel so that I can stay straight on this path. And I do that by doing these few things every single day or every week, staying in my routine, doing the next right thing, reaching out when I need help. That's a, that's been a hard one, reaching out when I need help because, you know, I am woman, hear me roar, you know, that kind of thing. You gotta, you gotta be all you can be and never let your guard down and all of that stuff. Well, that's not what we learn in AA. We learn that when we need help, we need to reach out our hand and say, I need help. And when we have, you know, our kid go to an institution again, after 20 some years of not being in institutions, that we need to reach out and say, hey, I'm having a hard time. And we need to go to meetings and raise our hands and share what's going on. And we need to get those hugs after the meeting and say, hey, you know, I'm hurting too. I understand. We need to, or I need to, I shouldn't say we, I need to, you know, open up and let people in because it is truly difficult to live this life. It is not an easy ride. It is, it is difficult. My one child has been in and out of institutions for about um, six years. So it has been a roller coaster ride of her going to an institution, coming home, trying to commit suicide, going back to an institution, coming home, trying to commit suicide, going back to an institution. It's been an absolute mess. But I am so happy that I have God 
and all of you on this journey because I could not have done it without you. Don is one of my main supporters. Um, he is an amazing person who will be there with a hug and a how are you doing and understands when I say I'm doing fine. And he's like, really? <laughs> are you now? And I'm like, no, I'm not really doing fine, but you know, I'm trying to hold it together. And he's one of the people that I can be honest with. And his wife is another one that I absolutely adore. She's amazing. And I get to be straight with them and real with them. And I get to have all the love that is in these rooms poured on me every week because I keep coming back and I keep working the program. I can't say I work a perfect program. Um, I don't. Um, I need to find a new sponsor, one that goes to my meeting or one that I see, can see more regularly because the sponsor that I currently have, I don't see her very often and it's just not working for me. So I need to find a new sponsor and I've been working on that, but I haven't found one yet. So I am working toward doing that. Um, I am working on, I want to go through the steps again. Um, you know, I think a regular house cleaning is a good idea, especially with everything that's been going on lately. Um, you know, working towards getting a house cleaning and getting my insides all straightened out. Um, my house is a mess right now and I need to work on that. And I think that is kind of indicative of what's going on in my, in my soul is that it's kind of a mess right now <laughs> because I haven't been doing the maintenance steps as well as I should have, or, you know, you just need to do a regular house cleaning every once in a while. So um, I do need to work on that. Um, sponsorship is one of the main things that has helped me throughout my life. Even though my sponsor and I don't, um, don't see each other on a regular basis, we do talk pretty regularly. Um, mostly because I'm always calling and saying I've had another crisis, <laughs> but you know, also because, you know, I want to keep in touch with her and keep going throughout everything. Um, but sponsorship is really big in my life. And I'm really, and I've talked with her about finding a new sponsor and she knows that I'm working on that. And she's suggested it as well that I try and find a new sponsor because we just don't, we just don't see each other very often. So um, you know, if we started going to more meetings together or something like that, that might change. But, um, for right now it's been, it's been difficult. Um, I am, what time do you take the meeting back on? Find my button. Um, 
You got about another eight minutes. Uh, okay. Do it about. Uh, uh, Trish has got a timer up over her a little window. If you see that. Okay, I can see it. I just want to make sure that was my timer and not the whole meeting timer. <laughs> um. You know, a couple of the things that brought me into the rooms have kept me here. Um, one of the things that I've learned in sobriety is that my sobriety is not guaranteed because I have a certain number of years. I've learned from others who have gotten about 10 years, stopped coming to meetings and gone back out and then come back in, that it still sucks. That drinking still sucks. And that it's really bad out there. And that we don't want to do that. And so even with 13 years, I keep coming back. Just like the gentleman that we met before the meeting, he's got 40 some years and he's still coming back. You know, looking for meetings from Thailand, trying to be here with the rest of us so that he can remember that he has a disease and that that disease does not stop because you've got a certain number of years of sobriety that it doesn't let go of you because you've got a certain number of years of sobriety and that going back out is the worst idea that any alcoholic can do. Um, Another thing I've learned is that my higher power loves me today, right now, just the way I am, even with all of the mistakes that I've made, even with all of the craziness that I've put myself through and put others through, um, even with the fact that I was not always a very good mother. I raised four children. I've My youngest is 14. My oldest is 30. So I've got a quite a range in between the two of them. Um, that's what happens when you switch fathers a lot. But um, the last two are the same guy. The first two are two different guys. And... So I've got four kids, three different dads. But one thing that I've learned is even with all of that, God still loves me just the way I am. And I take that with me in everything that I do. Because I have made some pretty bad mistakes. And you guys have heard about them because I have told you. If not you specifically, at least someone knows about my mistakes and how I wish I could undo them and how I can't undo them. But those mistakes have also made me who I am today. And that's pretty important. And I can keep doing those. I can keep learning from those mistakes or I can keep doing those mistakes. So I keep learning from them and move forward.
I have also learned that a certain amount of time in sobriety doesn't mean that I have to have everything together. Doesn't mean, because I used to look back and be like, I've got five years of sobriety. How am I still such a mess? You know, what is going on here? This is ridiculous. And now with 13 years of sobriety, I can look at it and say, I have 13 years of sobriety. I am still such a mess because I am still working to becoming the perfect person that I'm going to become someday. <laughs> not really, not in this lifetime, but <laughs> the perfect person that I wish I could be is still out there. And I'm still working towards that every day of my life. And it's okay to be a mess today. Today, I'm going to do something that I haven't done in a while and I'm going to clean <laughs> I'm also going to work on school. I've been going, I've been going back to school. My work is paying for it. So I figure why not take some free school, not have a loan to have to worry about later, just take some free school and go for it, you know? And I'm doing that. Um, I'm currently a straight A student, which is pretty, pretty awesome. I'm pretty excited by that. Um, and I am really looking forward to continuing this journey and continuing on the path with all of you. And I really appreciate this meeting. And I am so glad that I was asked to speak, even though I had to get up on my one day to sleep in. <laughs> because <laughs> that's when the speaker meeting is. <laughs> um, I figure worst case scenario, I'll take a nap this afternoon <laughs> after I finish school and cleaning. But um, I think that's all I have. Um, I can't think of anything else to share, but I really appreciate you guys. And I'm so glad that I woke up and came this morning and was able to share my story with you all. Thank you for letting me be here. And that was another fantastic speaker from AA Solution Seekers online group. Thank you so much for joining us as we continue to bring you great speaker one after another from Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Lisa. Thanks for joining us.